We have low numbers amongst uh, First Nations in Canada, generally. We've all heard of pandemics that have hurt our ancestors. We know how to protect each other. And I know that's in part because we care about each other. We have to continue to do that. That's Dr. Evan Adams, Deputy Chief Medical Officer at Indigenous Services Canada. He's our guest on this episode of the Akamemuk Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. Tawau, welcome to the Akamemuk Podcast. Akamemuk is Cree for you all persevere, or in other words, keep going and don't give up. On this podcast, we discuss the leading issues facing First Nations peoples with top experts, elders, and community leaders. And right now, the leading issue is this COVID-19 pandemic. And for that reason, we're happy to be joined today by Dr. Evan Adams, Deputy Chief Medical Officer for Indigenous Services Canada. He's a Coast Salish actor and a physician from the Tliaman First Nation near Powell River, British Columbia. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Evan. Hey, how are you? Grand Chief, it's so nice to see you. And uh, th- thanks for saying the name of my community so well. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Well, welcome. And the first question I want to get into right, right away with you, with this pandemic amongst us, and we know a lot of the provinces are starting to beginning the reopening of the economies. And as we head into the summer, what can we do to look at these being managed more effectively? Uh, Isn't it um, an interesting situation we find ourselves in, Uh, especially now as we start wave two, wave two of preparation, uh, because uh, we we have to reopen a little bit. Of course, that's up to every family head. That's up to every community leader, how they want to reopen if they want to reopen. But, um, you know, there there are lots of things to think about. Of course, you know, the basics are that um, some of us need to you know, go back to work and make a wage. Some of us um, need to send our kids to school. Um, you know, sometimes the the kids need uh, an external kind of um, education. Um, for uh, some of us, it means going back into the territory. It's time to go um, and gather um, foods. Uh, so there, there's lots of reasons for us to reopen a bit. Mm-hmm. But but we're not forcing anyone like we because I work now for the government of Canada. Well, really, actually. I work for First Nations. And uh, so uh, the discussion then, it's not an order. It's a discussion about how do we reopen a bit mm-hmm. um, and uh, what are the things that we should be thinking about? Like, you know, is has there been a COVID case near where you are? How is your workplace adjusting to um, the new realities? Um, do, do you feel like you can send your kids to school or to not or not? Do you have vulnerable people in your family that you're trying to protect? And those kinds of thoughts and ideas are, hmm. are what we're asking people to think about. Do you have any specific fears as we start going into the summer months with uh, any of the provinces opening up too fast, too quick, too much? Like, Do you have any specific fears at all from your perspective? Well, Canada is having world-class outcomes in the midst of this global pandemic. Canada is doing something right. We just have to look to the south of us to see, you know, a less organized response and Mm -hmm. poorer outcomes. So definitely I have a fear that we could descend into disorganization or that this population will suddenly start to ignore our ask of them to protect themselves and to protect others um, and to follow these specific measures. But I also know that we have a civil society. I also know 
that First Nations people care deeply about each other um, and that they're being very thoughtful about, you know, what are their next steps? No, you've just started your new job as a deputy chief medical officer with Indigenous Services Canada. So in terms of this pandemic, what's your biggest task going forward? The immediate issue is COVID, everything COVID. But really, for me, the long-term issue is um, relationship. Health governance is an important idea. Like we're in charge of ourselves. Uh, we're, in the, we're in the circle of care. So we um, should be looking after our clinics. We should be looking after elder care. We should be hiring nurses. And that, that means us leading um, a system that in the past hasn't been ours. That, that kind of circle of care was taken away from us. I can't tell you how many times people mistrust me, they say, as a doctor, or they mistrust me as a, um, an employee of the government of Canada. And they say, you know, we don't think you have our best interests at heart. Even though I, you know, I've spent my whole life um, training and getting ready to do this work. And, I, and I'm so eager to help. Like, you can't believe how, how much I want to help people. I'm as eager to help people as anyone you know. Um, but the relationship's in disarray. So that's what we have to work on. Like, can we get citizens or patients or First Nations people to trust the medical system? Can we earn that trust back? Can we be a system that's responsible, um, that's sensitive, that listens, that um, is helpful and kind? Now that you're working there at ISC and you are working for First Nations people and you're working for government, mm -hmm. um, yeah. First Nations communities right across Canada, according to some statistics, have had lower infection rates than the rest of Canada. Yes. What are some of the things that First Nations are doing right? Well, uh, one of the first things that First Nations um, did was to close their borders. Uh, and that was mm -hmm. um, kind, of, kind of a surprise to everyone. Uh, I think the first reaction was, are they allowed to do that? Are they allowed to put up checkpoints and ask people who are coming and going, who are you and where are you, what are you up to? And, uh, and of course, uh, you can. And uh, I would say that our infection rate um, has been like as as far as 650 different First Nations has been relatively low uh, compared to the general population. Now, mm -hmm. I've heard some people say, are you sure? Like, aren't you still case finding? I guess we are somewhat case finding, but we know that our testing rates are actually pretty good. They're comparable in fact, of the data that we've seen, it's actually higher. Our testing rates are higher than the general population and our outcomes are better than the general population for First Nations people in community. Hmm. Uh, so there, there are limits to the data, absolutely. But there's always limits to the data. And uh, I would say that um, the fact that we've been so careful and, and the fact that we've um, looked out for each other, like it makes sense to me. Because mm -hmm. I know how families are in First Nations community. They care about their elders and their knowledge keepers. And they've said to each other, let's stay home and protect yeah. our loved ones. Let's not, you know, go over here and over there just for fun because there's risk. And so they're looking after each other. And when communities have had cases, many of those communities have clamped down. They've introduced measures so that they can eliminate the COVID that's amongst them. And, and uh, so, yeah, there's... There's lots of good news. Let's look at a specific example not far from your home territory, your home community. Um, Alert Bay in British Columbia was a COVID hotspot about a month ago, you know, with over 30 infections and one death. But now they've got zero cases. Yes. So what can we learn from that? What happened? Well, part of our learning about 
COVID is to learn to not overreact, to not lose it when the going gets tough. And in one community in this, in Alert Bay, they had um, about 30 cases Mm -hmm. in a very small village, like five or 600 people. So, you know, I was hearing from other communities, they were saying, oh my gosh, we have a case. Oh my gosh, we have five cases. Uh, And I would say to them, yeah, I've heard of a place where there were 30 cases and they stopped it. Like they stopped COVID in its tracks. And so, yeah, for four weeks now, they haven't had a new case. And they introduced measures like they had a curfew. They controlled um, travel in and out of um, the community. They brought in extra help, like extra doctors and nurses. They brought in extra public health people to help with the tracing, to help people with testing. Um, They found places for people to self-isolate, like they found rooms and homes and apartments and hotel rooms where people could stay. Um, Either they had to leave their house because COVID was in the house, someone had it, it, or they had COVID and so they left their house and they went somewhere to self-isolate. But either way, um, they found places. So there was a lot of help, a, a lot of focus um, people there in that community, small community, uh, lots of like very close families and a very traditional community. They looked out for each other. It was mm-hmm. amazing. They did. They did great. Good for them. What a good a good model to look at in terms of how to do it. You know. Yes, and in, and an inspiration that you know if if uh, COVID appears near you, don't panic. <laughs> there there are many many things that can be done and it can be controlled. I want to go on to one. Um... You know, in the media in the last few weeks, uh, for example, it's Sundance season now on the prairies and through our different uh, ceremonies for all of our nations and tribes across Canada, from potlatches to Sundances to feasts to funerals and all these things that are so important for our people. And in one case in Beardies, uh, there's an issue with the RCMP coming in trying to, to stop the Sundance from happening. You know, so there's this whole issue of uh, how do you conduct ceremonies uh, that have to happen um, because one, it's a, it's a First Nations law, creator's law that we have to continue, but getting them done in, in, in different ways or safe ways, because you initially said, uh, one of your quotes was, some of our old practices like ceremony or how we gather for funerals to show respect for individuals need to change. So how can we find that balance between First Nations law, Sundance law, potlatch laws? And with the requirement to do things a little differently in a safer manner, is there a balance? What do you think about that? How do we find that space that's that really good sweet spot? Sure. And um, a number of people criticized me for that quote, and uh, I, t- I totally get it. And I think what I should have said was uh, not that our old ways need to change, is that we need to be able to talk about our old ways um, so that we can keep people safe. Because we don't want to, we don't want to risk our knowledge keepers. We don't want to risk our traditional mm-hmm. people. We don't want to risk our elders. Um, and talk is cheap, right? So we can mm-hmm. we can talk to each other. We're people. Uh, we're not animals. We're people. We're a lot, we can talk to each other. That's what my elders always said. And so I can say things like at a funeral where someone is being honored and remembered. I can say things like, I know, you know, we usually have uh, food. We usually have a buffet. Can we change the buffet so that? Um, People aren't um, touching the same handles. Like maybe there could be one server wearing mm-hmm. a mask who serves like service, uh, you know, the potatoes or whatever, instead of 200 people touching that handle. Like, could we do that? Like, I'm not trying to insult your family or your loved one. I'm just trying to find a way for people to be safe. Because we, we have an example in Newfoundland 
where over 200 people were infected at a funeral or two funerals. Um, and, uh, and a few people died and they were older people. Mm. So you, you know, the family and, um, the loved one who's passed away didn't want people to come and get sick and die uh, yep. when they're honoring them. So the same idea with ceremony is, is there anything that we can do? And people have said to me, no, we can't even talk about making changes to ceremony. And I've said, okay, but you know, if you ever want to talk about it, uh, I'm here. I'm not here to enforce things. I'm here to support your health. That's my job. However, I know, also know that in Saskatchewan, someone sent the police uh, and that was an enforcement issue. Like as in mm -hmm. when there were large groups, people were calling the police on each other and saying, is that allowed? And uh, I would never call the police for a health issue. Uh, that's, that's my opinion. And I mm -hmm. think that should have been someone like me sent out to uh, over there and say, is everything okay? Can we help us? You know, our, uh, we've heard that people are gathering and uh, I don't want to insult you. And the ceremony is going on. That's very important. Um, what can we do to help as opposed to, you know, uh, someone checking your ID or I, I don't even know what happened on that day. But, um, you know, I think sending the police was absolutely a mistake. And the government of Canada said we will not interfere with ceremonies or gatherings. Yeah, and I think that's the important message to get out uh, about uh, when the, the police were called in. And it, it was so heavy handed. It brought back uh, a lot of trauma and yes. uh, PTSD amongst First Nations again. You know, like under the Indian Act, our potlatches yes. were outlawed. Our sun dances were outlawed. And, and the, the, everybody started saying, oh, here they go again. And, and But I think you make this such a valid point about we have to have these ceremonies happen, but they can be done in, in, in safe ways. Now, we've always talked about trying to leave more hope with our people. And when you, that old saying, when you, when you walk into a room, try to leave that room with more hope. So for all of our peoples right across Canada, what gives you hope during this pandemic? We have low numbers amongst uh, First Nations in Canada, generally, like just uh, that's a generalization. I know some communities have had high numbers, but generally all, of our 650 communities, we've done really well. And I know that's in part because we care about each other. We've all heard of pandemics that have hurt our ancestors. Um, we know how to protect each other. So I'm really happy for that. And uh, we have to continue to do that now. Do you have any last-minute thoughts uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners when it comes to the COVID-19? Because you're a doctor, you're a First Nation citizen, um, you're working in a very high level within government now that can provide a lot of uh, good, positive things for our people. Do you have anything, uh, last thoughts or ideas uh, to sure. share with our listeners? Well, COVID is forcing a lot of change. Our emergency rooms were, you know, it's forced to change. Our clinics were forced to change. Um, our homes and our home life has had to change. So um, uh, one of the things that I think needs to change quickly is, again, like I said, the relationship. You know, you're, you're a leader for First Nations. I'm a, a doctor and a physician leader who's trying to change the system. Um, we could, or, you know, be really hard on each other. We could really be mean-spirited. Um, or we could be respectful and say, look, we've got, we've, we need each other. We've got to figure this out. Let's um let's be strategic, you know. Let's not do it the old way where we just call each other down and just get hmm. just get mean spirited. Uh, you know, you're the government or you're the you know you're the First Nation. It doesn't need to be that way. And I I understand why people are not trusting. 
but we need to get to a place where we can get some stuff done. Uh, that means working together. So let's work together. Well, that's a great message to, to end off with. So to all the listeners, that was Dr. Evan Adams, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer at Indigenous Services Canada. Thank you all for listening to the Akamema podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Give us a rating and tell your friends about us on social media. And as always, we want to give a big shout out to the Red Dog Singers, Treaty 4 Territory in Southern Saskatchewan for providing our theme music. So until next time, I'm Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. Hey, hey, hey.